Hello, this is Jake Wolf. And this is Sam Elkins, and you're listening to the film, video game, and other entertainment podcast where you can escape from the inescapable fact that life is meaningless. On this episode of the Digital Forest Podcast, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, we're going to be talking about good old Ezra Miller yet again. We'll be following up with Spider-Man Lotus and the controversy surrounding that fan film the third season of barry and we're back with a new action-packed episode of nothing new over detective pikachu welcome to the digital forest So good God, the the legend is back. Oh my lord. Just every, every time I read a new headline or article about Ezra Miller, it just gets better. Oh yeah. Or um, worse. <laughs> just it keeps escalating and escalating and escalating. I, I, I it's hard to keep up, you know. I, I keep seeing Ezra's name in the news and then I'm like, oh, you know, it's just the same old story that I've seen. Nope, it's a new one. Nope, it's a new one. Yep. All brand new. Um, it truly feels like. Uh, are you caught up with the boys? Yes. Um, it tr- season three spoilers for the boys. By the way, yeah. Um, it truly feels. It reminds me of that quote when Starlight threatens to uh, release the airplane footage, uh-huh. and Homelander was like, "Yeah, you're right. I'll lose everything, but then I'll be a man with nothing to lose." <laughs> yeah. And after losing the Flash, that really feels like the approach Ezra Miller is taking yeah. at this point. Yeah, just nothing to lose, just gonna completely go full Charlie Manson. Yeah, so for our not-so-dedicated listeners out there, we've covered Ezra Miller probably more than we've talked about anything else on this podcast, because shit keeps happening. Um, it gives us things to talk about, so while it's bad for everybody involved, I am not too disappointed. Um when we left off, he had you know essentially been sued for grooming and kidnapping a minor, um, and uh, was escaping service from uh, the actual order of protection. Uh, I'm not sure if he or I'm not sure if they actually were served mm, or not. Yeah, gosh, here I go again. The other thing with this, you'd think I would learn by this point. Uh, I pull up these articles that talk about Ezra Miller. Uh And so Ezra Miller in these articles is misgendered as he. Oh, my gosh. Jeez. And so in my my head, I get so, like, into this article of what I'm going to say. And then I begin misgendering Ezra Miller. Yeah. So my bad. I promise... I may be a pig, but I am not a transphobic pig. Jesus. Um, <laughs> You're not so a pig. I would like to clarify that they, them is the correct pronouns yeah. of Ezra Miller. And if I stray from that, it's truly due to my own stupidity and not from any intention to cause any harm. Um, 
But let's get into yeah. it. Should I read you the new headline? The one that grabbed my attention oh, and I knew we had to talk please, about it. Please, absolutely do it. <laughs> it's from Rolling Stone. It says, guns, bullets, and weed. Ezra Miller housing three young children and their mother at Vermont Farm. Jeez. <laughs> it sure, certainly right. grabs your attention. It's uh, Every headline is just so out of left field about them you know it's it's crazy absolutely so reportedly ezra miller has been hosting a 25 year old mother and her three young children at ezra miller's vermont farm uh now this worries a few people uh some videos have been shared by ezra miller showing that there are at least eight guns in the home um specifically in the living room where all three of the young children are and you know the children are younger than 25, at least. You'd have to imagine quite young if the mother's 25. Right. Um, at least 24, or at, at latest 24. At late, yeah. yeah. At, eld- the eldest is probably around 24 yeah. and a half. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so supposedly they've been up there since about mid-April. Um, Believe it or not, Ezra Miller met these these fine folk in Hawaii mm-hmm. on their reign of terror through the state. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, has whisked them away and is and is now hiding them. Where this comes to the national attention, um, aside from the fact that you know, obviously, the person accused of grooming a child is now housing three young children in a house <laughs> with eight guns. Mm-hmm. Uh, comes from the fact that reportedly, uh, one of the small children, a newborn, um, there's video footage from April that shows, uh, you know, the eight. Assault weapons, rifles, and handguns just lying around the living room oh, with some God. of the weapons propped up next to a pile of stuffed animals. Jesus. That couldn't be a problem. Right. Fuck. Um, and the, the newborn has a bullet in its mouth, like as a chew toy. Oh, my God. That's just fucking sad. I Yeah. Oh, man. That's... Ugh. It's brutal. Um, I think perhaps the, the, you know, funniest thing, funny being the operative word there that I could pull from this is, uh, Vermont's department for children and families, uh, did conduct a wellness check at the home and supposedly, uh, the social worker visited the house and said the kids looked good. What? Noting the worker had a little more work to do. But it's not clear if they return to the home. What? I'm very... What? These kids look fine. That's more of an indictment. Yeah, that's more of an indictment on on the children welfare system than anything else. Yeah, good God. I I can't imagine... Like, like, hey, there's an adult here. Right, yeah. It's good enough for me. Right, oh yeah. Well, there's somebody who's over the age of 18 here, so... My work here is done. Uh, yeah. These, uh, Boss. you know, we got all these Boss. guns on the floor. Um, but, you know, it's a free country. They're fine. You know, let's, uh, let's just call it a day. Boss, it's okay. I mean, the actor has super speed. 
They can just catch all the bullets. <laughs> the kids are totally safe. They're with a superhero. Yeah. I mean, you've seen the movies. You've seen it. You, yeah. you know when those when those debri- the debris is falling on all the people and and they're just zipping around, knocking it all out of the way. It's fine, perfectly fine, perfectly fine. Nobody nobody's gotten hurt yet. That you know, I. <laughs> That's right. Has anything come into the news the past uh, six to eight months? I don't. I haven't. I haven't been checking. <laughs> I've never even heard of this Ezra Miller character. <laughs> Are we even sure they're an actor? Yeah. Um, yeah, so the father of the children is trying desperately to get the children out of there. They don't feel like they're safe. I can't imagine why. Yeah. Um, another thing is, I guess there is a sizable cannabis farm on the property. Oh, um, um. So wait, where is this again? Is this still in Hawaii or No, this is Vermont. This is Vermont, right. Okay. This is up in Bernie territory. Which is crazy. How did they get I don't know. Anyway, um Well, I would imagine by car at some point. I don't think they walked there. Right. Well, you know, from Hawaii to Vermont, I don't know. I cuz I know that they were like weren't authorities looking for them? For a while, or I guess I guess they were just going to be served. So that that yeah, never mind. But well, they weren't in, they weren't in Hawaii when that they had come back since. Oh, then. okay, okay. I guess I was unclear. So they had just yeah, they had just met um, this person in Hawaii. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, this woman and her children is weed legal in Vermont. Um. Let me look. Let me tell you this. I knew if I can tell you now that Bernie's on on alert, there's no way as they're sticking around. Oh yeah. Um adults age twenty one and over can possess up to one ounce of cannabis as well as two mature and four immature plants for medical or adult recreational use. Oh, okay. Um however, only medical dispensaries are currently in operation around Vermont. Interesting. Um yeah, that's. I'm curious what the social worker thought of the sizable cannabis farm. Probably thought, "Hey, this is a good way to make some cash." Right. I see. I see um, what you got going on. A whole, whole, uh, you know, Junior Walter White type deal going on. Uh, yeah, the social worker probably walked in and went, "The guns aren't an issue. These kids are too blasted to do anything yeah, with these." Yeah, there's, there's no way weed makes you docile. It doesn't. Doesn't make you violent. These kids are fine. That's right. <laughs> the social worker was like, "Hey, I mean, look at it this way: these are eight guns that aren't in the hands of criminals." Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, a bullet in the baby's really... mouth. Why don't you put a joint in there while you're at it? That's right. That's the real travesty. <laughs> um, of course, you know Ezra Miller is denied all of this abuse. Uh, they have come on a few times. Um, on Instagram, this is mostly in response to the grooming um, order of protection that was filed uh, that we talked about on a previous episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, with cryptic messages just 
referring to the fact that they'll never be found. Uh, I guess that didn't really pan out because we know where they are now. So I'm assuming they'd probably been served. Let me verify that. Um, there's no way that they're still like unable to. Oh, geez. Another protection order has been filed. Oh, Oh no. Update, update, <laughs> breaking news. What's the other one? It's been the center of multiple controversies. Now it appears the Miller's going to hit with another one two punch. Second order of protection. Okay. Um. So this is separate than uh, Tanaka Iron Eyes. Apparently, the family of a 12-year-old non-binary child had been granted a temporary harassment prevention order in Greenfield, Massachusetts, after the actor allegedly menaced the family and acted inappropriately toward the children. Now, that doesn't sound anything like Ezra Miller. Yeah, no, no, not they're an upstanding citizen. There's no way that they would do such a thing. There's no history. Yeah, okay, here we go. Jeez. The alleged The alleged incident took place in early February... At the home of somebody who is friends with a bandmate of Ezra Miller. This is news. I didn't realize Ezra Miller was in a band. I didn't either, yeah. Wow. Miller was apparently wearing a bulletproof vest during the evening. That's a great sign. (laughs) Um, With tactical boots and uh, (laughs) tactical belts or utility belts. Using tactical soap. A utility belt. (laughs) Just... They're just wearing their flash costume. <laughs> the entire flash costume with like six different, you know, pistols on their waist, you know. But well, it's interesting you say that because later in the evening, um, a debate about board games allegedly set Miller off, and they opened their jacket to reveal a gun. Oh my god! Oh my god! That's insane. The- you ever had those nights where, like, you play Pokemon with your family and ends with you, like, swearing at your parents or something and storming off to your room, like, as a kid? I've never played Pokemon with my Did family Did I say Pokemon? Before. Jesus. Yes, <laughs> Sorry, I meant to say Monopoly. Um, you know, all those family game nights surrounded by yeah. the warmth of the Game Boy. Yeah. Oh, my God. No, sorry. I meant to say Monopoly. Um, wow. You ever, like, you know, like, those board games where things get heated, like, you know, you get into these crazy arguments and, like, the vibe's ruined for the rest of the night. You ever had that kind of thing happen? Yeah, usually my dad just gets frustrated, and and that's the end of it. It is usually just kind of like a, ah, and then you, like, end up, you know, a little bit of yelling and storming off, and that's it. But, like, to pull a gun out and be like, I will fucking murder you is just unhinged. To the max. I, I, well, mm. don't worry. Uh, Ezra overcorrected. Uh, from there, Miller allegedly began giving the child, then 11 years old, a lot of attention, pestering them with compliments. Ooh. Um, Ooh. Miller later apologized for their outbursts, but they reportedly continued to visit the family in April, May, and then again earlier this month. Oh. <sighs> Um, I'm very apparently there's text messages that co- and photos which corroborate parts of this. I'm very I'm very curious to sort of see how this 
situation came about? Why, like, like, where did Ezra meet these people? Why did the parents say, yeah, come on in? Why were they playing board games together? You know, like, I'm just... That was my thought with uh, the First Order Protection. Yeah, exactly. Is, you know, part of, part of the allegations were that Ezra Miller has been flying these people out to, uh, you know, London, New York, California. Um, and my first thought when reading that is that's that's kind of a two-way street. I mean, the, a 12-year-old can't just jump on a plane. Right. I mean, I guess they can, but, like, you call the police. Right. Um, so the parents had to be sending them or at least complicit in what was happening to an extent right which begs um, the question why like like why would the i don't i don't know maybe maybe this is just me but like i feel like if i had a kid and they were like 10 11 12 13 whatever a kid and mm-hmm. this like what 27 28 year old 29 year old actor uh comes up and is like, hey, I like your kid. I want to fly them, you know, here when I'm filming this, here when I'm filming this, to this premiere, etc. Mm-hmm. I don't know if my first thought would be like, yeah, absolutely. Oh, for sure. Let's do it. You know, like, it's like, yeah, it reminds me of that, 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 uh, you remember that scene from Bojack? I forget which season it's in. When he's like talking to a kid and the parents are like, oh, are you being creepy? And they're like, wait, no, it's Bojack Horseman. And they're like, and then the, like the dad is like, like well, you know, even if, like if he wants our kid, I mean, it's Bojack Horseman, yeah. you know? <laughs> well, who are that's, Yeah, that's, that's really how this all comes off. Yeah, exactly. Because this is deeply concerning behavior. It's not like... Ezra Miller is a monster that is slowly revealing themselves. It seems like they come out pretty hot, regardless of where they go. Right, literally, like it's just it's just a uh, cut and dry. So if you ever see Ezra Miller uh, with a bulletproof vest, you turn and run the opposite direction. If you ever see Ezra Miller, you turn and run in the opposite direction. <laughs> yeah, you probably won't get very far because um, famously they have super speed. Yeah, they are pretty but pretty quick. You know, you do what you can. And they can reverse time, uh, you know, and... Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, so if you do get away from them, then, then they'll just be like, oh, we'll get back here, and then you're back where you started, and blah, 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 blah. That's right. Yeah, it's like... um, Yeah, but I don't know. I... They need to be caught, and... uh you know, stops. Brought to justice. Brought to justice. Where's Batman? Batman's got a contingency plan for all the Justice League, right? He he should come out and stop this. Yeah. Bezos. Well. <laughs> Bezos, Batman. Um. Anyways. What's what's next on our little? Oh deal? right. Oh, speaking of controversy, yeah. Let's let's. We talk. had to talk about Spider-Man Lotus. Okay. So, how familiar are you? Familiar, familiar. Whoa, I'm not having a stroke. Oh no, here. familiar. Smile and look in the mirror and see if you're drooping. Uh, uh well, I only <laughs> smell burnt toast. Okay, so. all right, then you're fine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so the, yeah, so the Spider-Man Lotus thing, I really, 
I read a little bit. I think I saw the DMs in question. Um, but to be honest, I didn't really know it was a thing until this. Well, okay, that's okay. that's not totally true. I did see... I saw something on like YouTube or something, like a thumbnail about it. But I thought I didn't mm-hmm. put too much stock into it because I was like, oh, it's probably just some college kids doing their capstone. Um, which right. maybe... Which isn't too far off. <laughs> right. So, but... Yeah, and then I saw this, and I was like, oh, shit, I guess this had a fan base who was excited for this. Uh, But that's really about the extent of my knowledge, so I'm curious to hear the deets. So, while you may be inclined to believe that this is just your typical gumshoe scenario... Right. (laughs) um, For those of you unaware, gumshoe was a uh, feature-length... Would you call it feature length? Oh yeah, short film. <laughs> feature length, short feature length, film. short. That's film. an oxymoron, I think. Um, <laughs> uh, pretty sure you just don't know film, right? But that's okay. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, okay. Here's here's some lingo you'll understand. Okay. Classic popcorn film, right? Uh, created by Samuel J. Elkins. Samuel J. Elkins, yes. Samuel um, L. Jenkins. Yep. <laughs> um. It is it is a little bit more involved than that. So it is a fan film. Um, it's being completely done by fans. I guess that's what fan film means. Um, but it has a ton of support and it, it kind of boasts a massive production value. Okay. Is this so was there like a like footage that they released or like a trailer or something that got yeah. people hyped for it? Yes. Okay. So notably, um, they did an Indiegogo for it. A what? And they an Indiegogo. Are you familiar with the Indiegogo? I am not. It's your typical crowdfunding. It's just Kickstarter. Oh, essentially. oh okay, okay. Um, to get the film made, and they ended up raising a hundred and twelve thousand dollars. Holy shit! Um, wow. They had uh. John Watts tweeted about it and how excited he was that it was getting made. Whoa. So it was like big it was like a big deal. Kind of a big deal. Yeah. Um from the trailer, it looks like it's a really interesting concept. It takes place um shortly after Gwen Stacy's death. And it kind of deals with Peter Parker, you know, gripping with that loss, dealing with you know whether he needs to hang up the uh, the suit forever, and he's kind of meeting with this child who has a terminal illness, who is his biggest fan. Oh, and so it's and then he whisks them away to a cannabis farm in Vermont and gives them a bunch of guns. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, actually. Okay, cool. Um, no, but I mean, <laughs> it is. It does look really interesting. Yeah. To see kind of those two extreme spectrums where like there's this like mortality angle to it. And it's like the whole great power, great responsibility thing. And what the symbol of Spider-Man means more than like Peter Parker's own interests. Right. Um, This is all gathered from a trailer. So it could be horrible. Right. Right. But it shows a lot of promise. Right. Were you um, were you one of the one of the people that was like were you before this whole controversy were you like hell yeah I'm excited for this or just kind of more curious or did you know about it 
Um, I did know about it, uh, and I was excited for it, and I will say that I am still pretty excited for it. I gotcha. Um, just because, like, and we'll get into a little bit of what was said and kind of that whole deal. None of it's good. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's nobody here to defend right. it. <laughs> um, but I still think that if the product comes out all right, I mean, it's just like indie people, you know? Right. Um, it would come out for free on YouTube. Right. So it's not like I would be, I mean, sure, the algorithm, but it's not like I would be like financially benefiting them in a way that no, was really meaningful. Right, right. Um, so I'd say I'm still pretty excited for it. Uh, but yeah, you'll have to check out the trailer. Yeah. And I'm curious kind of what you think. Um, like I said, it's no gumshoe. Right. It's no, uh, <laughs> it's no, um, gosh, what was the short film that I was in? Uh, The Classroom. Yeah, it's no The Classroom. Right. Uh, classic comedy. Classic comedy, bolstered by um, a, an incredible performance from one Jake Yule Wolf. Yeah, feature length short film. Feature length short film. Um, but regardless, let's kind of get into the controversy yeah. surrounding this. So, so lay it out for me. It came out that the uh, lead actor, the actor who plays Green Goblin, and the director had used some racial slurs, homophobic slurs, ableist slurs um, through, like, DMs and messages years ago. I mean, essentially, the Xbox Live group chat got leaked, is what happened. Oh, jeez. So, to their credit, a majority of the things that were leaked took place when these people were, like, 14 or 15 years old. Okay, I gotcha. I don't know how old they are now. I don't know how far removed that is. Right. Um, doesn't make it necessarily any better. Right. Uh, but it's not like this was like behind the scenes of the actual movie. They're like throwing these things around. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's... It's kind of opened this conversation. Uh, well, obviously, I'll continue recapping a little bit um the director really doubled down and pretty much did a non-apology on twitter oh great was like i don't condone any of the fake stuff because i guess there was fake screenshots going Uh around and i want to hold myself accountable but never says sorry once right which i found interesting (laughs) um whereas the actor who plays spider-man really like was like i used to be a horrible person i'm trying to grow from it i'm trying to change um interesting and that's kind of that's kind of a dialogue i wanted to open with you yeah is with cancel cancel cultures i hate using that word right because i think it devalues the entire purpose right um but with that being said i mean is there a point where at what point do we say you know kids have to like make mistakes and learn that like the things they do are bad Mm mm-hmm and like those bad things shouldn't plague them for the rest of their lives. And at what point do we decide like this person is clearly not some person who um, needs to be supported because they've held these beliefs at some point? You know, is there a line there or are those things the same thing or are they not? You know, yeah. what, do you, 
what are kind of your thoughts on that whole deal? It's become relevant now oh, more yeah, than ever. Absolutely. It's, it's a very, uh, tough conversation. And I think it's a good thing that you and I, as cis white men are talking about it on a podcast. I think that's the most important thing, uh, to take away. Yeah, absolutely. From this. Absolutely. Yeah. That we're having this dialogue that, that we can solve these Did issues. Did you mention cis straight white men? Uh, well, for, me, for you, maybe, uh, I, I'm not necessarily uh, straight, but yeah. Um, but, uh, Oh, sorry. Oh, no, you're good. <laughs> Just outing me on my own part. No, I'm kidding. I came out a while. Well, here we go. Now I'm, no, 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 no. I came out publicly a while, a long time ago. Um, anyway, uh, so <laughs> I lost my train of thought. Um, Anyway, I guess that'll happen in all in all seriousness, in all seriousness. Um, I think that it's when it comes to things that people have said in the past, uh, whether mm-hmm. that be tweeting, you know, uh, videos resurfacing of, you know, using mm-hmm. slurs, etc. There's it's just it's hard. It's hard to just take one firm stance on on it. I guess that maybe that's not the right way to phrase it. But what I'm trying to say is context is important. is important because there's a lot of nuance Absolutely. to these things. It's not necessarily that it's not bad that these things are said at all because yes, right. they are bad and they should, you know, not have you sh- you shouldn't use those slurs. Right. But if you're this kid who's grown up uh, you know, in this sort of toxic culture, uh, you mentioned the Xbox Live chat. I mean, it was it was a nightmare on Xbox Live. Just kids using oh, yes. slurs with every other word. It was insane. And it's like... That was my Vietnam. Yeah. And so it, it's like, on the one hand, it's like, they're, they're kids. It was mm-hmm. bad. But it also informs a part of them that maybe you didn't know before, you know, these public, you know, famous people. So now you're like, okay, so they have come from this background. Have they grown from this? Have they grown out of this? Are they still like this? So it's indicative of them as their character, what it could have been, what it's been influenced by. And so response to this is also everything. And so what I, I didn't see mm-hmm. personally what the actor who plays Spider-Man said, but I, if I am, am understanding you correctly, it seemed like he gave a pretty heartfelt apology, owned up to his mistakes, did not try to justify them at all, said, yes, this happened. Yes, I said those things. This is who I was at this time. I was a kid. I did know better but I was still a kid and I shouldn't have done that, but I'm not a kid anymore mm-hmm. and I've learned and I've grown <clears throat> and that's not me anymore. And I apologize, you know, like it, it, there's still like an apology that needs to be said because there are those marginalized groups who upon hearing this are rightfully so hurt just, just to mm-hmm. hear this so flippantly said especially if you know they're fans of this person right but still understanding that you know they've grown from it they they you know so i think 
a lot of people don't understand that the two sides to to like you know sort of canceling i guess i i the whole anyway i that i hate that word yeah i mean it is it is what it is but, i mean that's what it is but it's it's really been turned to make it sound really icky right exactly um but the it's not just about what happened what was said what was done it's also about how you respond and grow from there and that's indicative right. so it's like yeah, it's just a it's a whole nuanced topic, and it's very um, it's it's very hard to articulate exactly. Every, you know, but what what are your well, thoughts? I don't know why this thing I dropped on you right now is giving you a hard time with coming up with a clear answer. <laughs> um, Put me on the spot here. Yeah, I'm sweating. Yeah, so I'll give you my thoughts. I do want to just go ahead and and read the quote that the actor said. So that way we've read it into the record, so to speak. Yeah. 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 Um, there's a big long post they made, but you know, the few sentences that kind of cover the gist of it is they said, um, they described that, you know, they grew up in a really, really small town in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, as you said, the context is important, you know, kids at a certain point are products of their environment, you know, mm-hmm. just part of the issue. Right. Uh, they said, you know, unfortunately my mistakes will always be a part of my history. I'll never forget how I used to be. I regret it every day. All I can do is move forward and strive to be better, which is what I've been doing for the past several years. Um, this movie has already, this has already impacted the movie in a negative way. So any fears about that have already been realized, but I would hope and pray that people watching it won't judge it based on my past and instead take it for what it is, a film about redemption and coming out of darkness. Okay. Um, which is much better than, you know, most people who are famous and have publicists. Right. Right. Because um, the first thing publicists, I feel like, say is, don't apologize. Don't apologize. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's the Trump approach. Right. Just don't ever apologize for anything. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the context is important and I think, you know, talking about it, since we keep saying how important context is, let's talk about it in this case. Uh, I think there's a strong argument to be made that we as a society should value the ability for people to make mistakes learn from them and grow to be better people in light of learning from those mistakes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I definitely think that's a a value system that should be rewarded. I also understand the argument, and this is kind of where I'm at with cancel culture completely. I also understand the argument where, you know, there's millions of talented people. Um, so why are we continuing to support and fund these people who have these awful ideals yeah. when there's a thousand people who can take their place right. that don't have that. Right. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, But like you said, there's context. So the difference here is we're talking about some kids making kids, some young adults making a fan movie and people like Kevin Spacey. Right. 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 Exactly. There's a significant degree of separation there. And with that, I think, comes a significant degree of leniency. Yeah. Um, nobody's saying what they said was right. was not right at all. It was quite horrible. Right. Um, and 
I think the backlash they've received for that, you know, is is not undeserved by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really hope that, you know, what this does is it gives them an opportunity to reflect, to, uh, you know, learn from that and to hopefully do things that, because my main focus is not even them. I could care less about them as people. Um, it breaks my heart that there are people in marginalized communities who were potentially harmed by this language. Yeah. Uh, that now can no longer enjoy this piece because of that. You know, they've right. lost the ability to enjoy the art. So I'm I'm hoping that this really opens the doors for something to be done or said that allows these people to kind of regain some trust or regain some um some excitement for this project. Yeah. Um but like you said, I think that starts with an acknowledgement and a desire to move forward from it rather right. than a pivot or a deflection. Yeah. Or doubling down. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. So ultimately, um, I think the digital force stance is that, uh, cancel culture is bad. Nobody should be canceled. <laughs> Free speech. Number one, right? right. Yeah. Let people use slurs. There we go. That's, that's the moral. That's the moral here. Um, um, but yeah, since we're, uh, you know, white cis males, you can trust what we say. Yeah, absolutely. You can take it from us and believe every word and don't go to any other sources because we know. We know what's best. So listen. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, so yeah, that's the Spider-Man Lotus stuff in a nutshell. I did kind of want to talk a little bit before we moved on, um, stepping away from the controversy, Mm -hmm. you know, this is a fan film that really got off the ground. It got support from some big names, but more significantly, it was purely fan funded. And so, um, I'm surprised that Sony and Disney haven't really taken steps against it. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought about that. I guess it'd be Sony. Right. So my question for you is, uh, what does this say about, you know, making the film industry more accessible for like smaller acts? Cause I know a lot of my knowledge is kind of in the video game field. Right. It's much easier to make like a fan game or something that can gain a lot of traction you know, add things people want, a lot mm-hmm. of fan service. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a few approaches to that. You know, you have the Nintendo approach where you copyright strike the hell out of it. You knock it down. You say, go fuck yourself. This is our intellectual property. Right. And you shut it down. Or there's the Sega approach where pretty much they're saying, if you're not just recreating the entire game and, and selling it, like you're just making things for free and for fun for everybody to enjoy it. We really don't give a shit. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so that's really allowed the indie market to kind of boom in that regard. I don't think the film industry is as accessible. I know there's indie films, mm-hmm. but maybe I'm wrong. It just it really feels like it's a harder nut to crack, and maybe because there's so much more funding that has to come from that. Yeah. Um, what do you think about you know movies like this that that gain this audience backing? 
becoming more accessible and a lot more, uh, not just for artists and creators, but for viewers? Um, I think, you know, if this does have the impact that I hope it does, um, then it will allow, it'll open up the door for more, you know, small time filmmakers to be able to find a way to get their projects funded. Um, because it is fucking expensive to Mm -hmm. make a movie. It is absolutely insane. You look at these like big, 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 big movies, like take Endgame or Infinity War, for example, just the sheer amount of CGI that's used in those movies. If you have like a small crew trying to make a movie like that, it'll take you years years upon years upon years upon years so long just to make one movie uh right. you need a you need a massive crew depending on you know the scope of the project obviously um so it's just there's a there's a a, a large sort of uh margin i guess between you know hollywood even you know uh indie films and mm-hmm. like just the average, you know, small time amateur filmmaker trying to make a movie. Um, because that's the biggest thing is funding to if you're if you don't get funding for a project that you want to work on to film and, and make a movie, it's basically dead in the water. Um, you know, I, I did those two uh, short films at Truman and uh feature length short films. feature like short films right um and you know I I didn't have a budget at all <laughs> uh right. because I was a broke college student and couldn't afford anything and I did I know I knew nothing about you know sort of trying to get funds slash didn't have the time to wait for getting funding for blah, 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 slash didn't really even have the resources to use those funds, even if I had them. Uh, so, um, you know, I was just one camera different, you know, shooting the same scene from different angles over and over and over, uh, basically throughout the entire thing, wasn't able to do really many visual effects at all, really any. Mm Um, and I, I mean, I was relatively, happy with the results you know the classroom was pretty simple so it wasn't like you know you didn't need too much but it wasn't what i had in my head and it's not the project that i want it to be and it very much looks and feels like like a like a student made film you know like it's yeah so I'm hoping that this will open up the door to more opportunities for funding for amateur filmmakers to be able to get their projects off the ground, gain experience using equipment that's, you know, more than just the camera that they bought for 500 bucks, you know, mm-hmm. a couple few years ago. Um and be able to sort of grow their skills. And, and, and I hope that that sort of becomes its own market. I think that would be really, really cool to see. I guess, you know, maybe that just becomes the new indie, right? I, yeah, I don't no, know. I see what you're saying. 
it's it's kind of like the music industry mm-hmm. where um you know, back in the in the seventies and eighties, recording equipment you had to run through a studio. Oh yeah. But now you can record everything at your house. Right. I mean, I think Billie Eilish's album was recorded, or one of her albums was recorded just with her and her brother on. That's his MacBook. Oh yeah, I th- I, I think I remember reading about that. So as the technology becomes more available, maybe that's what kind of boosts these indie things. And then at that point, the funding from a creator perspective just becomes maybe also a strong motivator. Yeah. Um, I'll say from a viewer perspective, uh, it's a really exciting achievement if this can come out and be as successful as it is, especially for what that means uh, moving forward in terms of, you know, fans really getting the attention and love of things that they enjoy or love from people they know also do. Yeah. And they don't have to worry about the studio interference. Right. Because if we look at, at things like, uh, oh, Richard Donner's Superman 2, mm-hmm. uh, Zack Snyder's Justice right. League, the um, Suicide Squad, David Ayer's, we never even saw the David Ayer version. Right. But a lot of these films are held back by this studio interference that's so tied to this you know, funding that's conditional. Um, so getting to see artistic visions as they were intended, um, albeit on a smaller scale, I think that the art and the direction and the love for the property would outweigh the lack in quality that you would get from a big AAA studio. Right. Yeah. Um, so... So it's exciting for both viewer and I'm sure creator. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, my one hope. But the racism's not exciting. No, for sure. My my one hope though is that these projects can extend outside of you know IP. You know, just sort of like or you know, not just just like I hope that even just singular visions that are isolated from any sort yeah, of completely original. Yeah. Completely original outside of different franchises or, you know, uh, famous, uh, characters, et cetera, can be, I hope those will have their day in the sun. No, I agree. And I think they will. I just think that we, we can't get there without having it through the, the lens of things that we understand. You know what I oh, mean? Oh yeah. No, absolutely. Um, I'm really excited for when we get there, but I think that, the we have to take these step stones to get there. Right. Right. Um just like in the in the video game deal, a lot of people who made indie um fan games uh went on to make completely original visions that sold. Oh, that's awesome. So it happens. Yeah. Awesome. Um before we get into nothing new, do we want to briefly go over season three of Barry? Oh, yeah. Um, so we'll just touch on it. Spoilers for season three yeah. of Barry. But real quick, before you people who are going uh, outside of the spoilers, if you haven't watched the HBO show Barry uh, with Bill Hader on, uh, well, HBO, uh, <laughs> do it. <laughs> on Amazon Prime. Right, right. <laughs> Do it. It is very good. It's not going to be anything like what you expect. If you're expecting anything, it's this great genre bending, exciting uh, show. Anyway. 
Yeah, absolutely. Equal parts drama, equal parts dark comedy. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, spoilers um, for season three of Barry. Yeah, so season three really kind of uh, jumped the stakes up. It's pretty jarring yeah. going from season two to season three. Yeah. Because Barry is truly at the end of his rope in the third season. Yeah, it it's at every... The glass house has started showing cracks, and it is basically mm-hmm. all but shattered when you get into season three. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't seem like the character who can... Like, you, the shattering is the best metaphor, because, you know, the pieces start to crumble as the seasons go, mm-hmm. and it becomes harder to hold this thing together. Yeah. Um. And Sally also has some huge things happen. Yeah. I um, thought that she did incredible this season. Like the actress? Yes. I am blanking yeah. on her name. I will look it up real quick. No, absolutely. Um, the way she's able to kind of communicate the emotion yeah. um, and the happiness and the sadness. And then mm-hmm. obviously her screaming at Natalie. Yes. Um, how intense yeah sarah goldberg um that's right but yes i loved that sort of parallel between her and barry sort of uh you know her on on a much uh lower scale in terms of you know horrible things being done um but Mm -hmm. just like how they both are tested at the end and like they're trying to force what they think their reality should be and trying to like strong arm it and when it's not going their way they just break almost um yeah that was an interesting comparison to see well and i really appreciate the way the show handles domestic violence Mm -hmm. um especially through sally you know because we kind of saw her whole where she tells the guy off. Right. And that really wasn't what happened. Um, and for a lot of domestic violence victims, that's not what happens. Right. Or that, I mean, that is what happens is it's, it's a, you just get out when you can. Yeah. Um, there's not really a big show. And, and while that's very cathartic for some people, for a lot of people, it's not as realistic. And so Mm -hmm. that was, really interesting to explore through her character that she kind of had this like guilt, not only for the way that it made her look. Right. Um, but also because when she gave the version she wished had happened, um, the show was really kind of painting it as like, uh, well, that's what sells. Cause it's so superficial. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, but on the other hand, I thought it was really interesting how she kind of felt like the story had outlived her where it became more important to these people who were in these situations than it actually was to her. Yeah. And so it was almost like she had a duty to share it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Which kind of makes the whole deal with Natalie so much more interesting because when Natalie takes the show and makes it like a joke or whatever, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And uh, 
and Sally is, you know, like, oh, this was my show. This was my show. And she's freaking out on her. Right. I really took that as she wasn't as mad at Natalie. It's like she had she had already tainted that story. The minute that she changed what it was supposed to be, uh-huh. like what had happened to her, it no longer became her story. Right. And Natalie's version was just like the corporate end of that. Right. And so I took it as she was so much more angry at the fact that she let the idea of success ruin her ability to actually tell her story. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, and it's, and it's, I think, especially tragic given the fact that throughout these seasons, it's very clear that one of the things that Sally wants most is, or really probably the thing she wants most is to be successful in Hollywood, right. to be, you know, to have her love, her, her work loved, you know, she was so excited mm-hmm. about that 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, you know? Um, and so for her realizing that in order to get that, she has to completely compromise everything that she, you know, has been trying to do. Yeah. Then it's, it's, yeah, it just, uh, it really plays into that as well. Um, but Bill Hader, right. holy wow. Uh, acting on another level in this season. Um, particularly I was really, um, sort of, I don't know if entranced is the right word. Uh, I was sort of, um, What's the word? I interested by that scene where he is he ends up screaming at Sally. Um Yeah. Because up until then, while, you know, their relationship is sort of built on, you know, artificial ground because, you know, he's not he's lying about a complete side of him. Uh it was you know, you rooted for them. You, it was like, oh, these were the two that you right. wanted to get together. This is what Barry really wanted, and they seemed happy together. He was, you know, very uh, dutiful. And then this happens, and it's terrifying. And when it happened, I was, I was worried for a second because I was like, there's no way they can go with this. That's mm-hmm. gonna make me feel good inside. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because on the yeah. one hand, if they sort of brush it off and then he goes back and then he and Sally are together and then everything's fine, then I'm like, OK, but like you're brushing over the fact that he whatever, which obviously they were never going to do. Um, but on the other right. hand, he uh, of course, you know, it, you have um, uh, Elsie Fisher, uh, the actor from uh, Bo Burnham's movie Eighth Grade. Um, who I forget her, I forget her character's name, but, uh, saying, you know, Barry's a violent guy and being like, it was really scary. I don't feel comfortable around him and sort of Sally realizing that, you know, that moment reminded her of something she didn't want to be reminded of, you know, the domestic abuse that she had, uh, experienced earlier in her life. Um, so I thought that was a very interesting moment. Um, and it right. very, uh, 
gut-wrenching <laughs> to, to watch, honestly, as a lot of this season was. Yeah, absolutely. But it was also nice to see Barry, because Barry's a really bad dude. <laughs> and so yeah. Barry can't get, he can't win. Mm-mm. So it's, I think that's what makes it so interesting to watch is because you want him to win because Bill Hader just is so like likable. Yeah, exactly. He's magnetic. Yeah, that you're like, you know he can't, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, I also love Stephen Root's fuse. Oh my gosh, his little slice of heaven is so every time, and then he sees something that always makes him go out of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, gosh, I love I love to the uh, the clear you know inspiration that this show has uh, taken from Breaking Bad, um, mm-hmm. in terms of its main character you know getting you to root for them despite the fact that you know that this character is a horrible horrible person but it's funny because um barry is infinitely more likable than walter white (laughs) ever was um right (laughs) and so it's really interesting to see how you know in the first two seasons um you know he has this sort of charm he's kind of upbeat because you know, he, he has his dark moments, you know, where he's mm-hmm. not as, uh, you know, charming, but overall he's very, um, he's very charming and it, it, it's lighthearted. He's able to keep things sort of lighthearted. And then in this season, when he's basically at his lowest, the entire season, he's, he's freaking out. He's lost his center. He's lost his like Northern light. Uh, and he's very manic throughout the entire season, and you lose that sort of charm, in a sense, you know, purposefully, then it becomes almost a completely different show, because then you're like, wow, now we're starting to feel the weight of these choices, these consequences for what Barry has done in the past, Uh, very, very clearly laid out by the fact that Fuchs is going to the families of all of Barry's victims and saying... This is the guy that killed your, you know, loved one. Right. The the chickens have come home to roost. Um. But yeah, I mean, I don't want to give too many more spoilers over um, Barry season three, just because, you know, there's a huge twist at the end. Um, and I want to preserve that for as many people as can see it. Um, so what do you say we leave the end of Barry season three um, up to the people? Yeah. The good people. Let's do it. That sounds good. Uh, and with this, we will start our newest segment of Nothing New. We're back with it. Um. Highly requested Detective Pikachu. Yeah. We watched it. Me for the second time, Sam for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Me for the first time. Um, and Sam wasn't allowed to play Pokemon as a kid because he was bullying other kids. <laughs> yep. Um, but see, I was able to have a childhood. Yeah. I was so, I was robbed of that privilege. Yeah, so I'm pretty much a Pokemon 
expert. Right. Uh, you can check us out every other Thursday mm-hmm. at 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. on twitch.tv slash digitalforestmedia mm-hmm. to see how great I am, but mm-hmm. let's let's talk about it. Yeah, as somebody going in completely blind, also, obviously, spoilers for Detective Pikachu. Right, yeah, yeah. Spoilers. Um, as somebody going in completely blind, how was it? How was the Detective Pikachu? I enjoyed it. It was fun. Um... It was really interesting, actually, to see. I, I the effects were kind of better than I, I. I don't know what I was expecting necessarily. I I guess I hadn't seen a trailer for it, you know, in years, so a couple years. Right. Um, but it it uh. I mean, I thought I thought that it was visually interesting for the most part. Um, I thought Ryan Reynolds was. He's always fun and funny, and um, hearing his voice coming out of this cute little Pikachu was was uh, pretty cute. Um, but yeah, uh, I I enjoyed it. I thought it was a generally enjoyable experience. Um, I did too. I don't like how muscly Mewtwo is, <laughs> um, but I'm a sucker for the original like animated style. Yeah, uh, I really dug that. Um, I, <sighs> this is going to sound so stupid, but you know what I couldn't get past as I was watching it? Uh-huh. I can't fucking understand if this movie takes place in what's supposed to be like a equivalent of Japan or <laughs> like fucking Great Britain. Like, I don't understand. Right. Setting is because very Because every unclear. time... Well, every time they're driving, they're driving on the left side of the road, and it drove me fucking insane. Oh, I don't... Huh, I guess I didn't notice that. I mean, like, I, yeah, right, I didn't really think about it. That's all you'll be able to focus on. Oh, great. I'm like... I know that it's, like, its own world, but, like, that's my... That's what I was thinking. I'm like, okay, does the Pokemon universe, like, mirror the same weird-ass thing that just Great Britain does? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I... Huh. Um, I thought the opening montage of all the Pokemon was really cool. It was really interesting to kind of see how the world developed. I know a lot of it was fan service. Right. Um, but it was cool to see how they existed among other people. Yeah. Uh, I think the Pokemon, um, like city where they all live in harmony is fucking stupid. (laughs) I don't think it works if you think about it for like 20 seconds. That's funny. Um, I have here because they said, "Oh, this is where man and Pokemon live harmoniously." Mm-hmm. And in my notes, I wrote "live harmoniously," but there is still clearly a caste system, right? <laughs> That's so funny. They're bound to a person. They're clearly like servants of the person, right? I don't know. They're doing menial is... tasks, right? Yeah, they're like crossing guards and stuff. <laughs> You never see, like, people serving Pokemon. No. Yeah. So it's just, essentially, it's just, like, a city where they are allowed to have their dogs out. Right. That's all that it is. Yeah. So I never bought that throughout the no. entire thing. It wasn't... I bought that. Go on. Uh, yeah, no, It uh, this movie didn't do very well. Like, you know, the sort of... Uh, um, socioeconomic caste system... 
of this, you know, Detective Pikachu wasn't mm-hmm. wasn't uh, you know as as good as as it could have been. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it wasn't up to my standards. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought that Pikachu and what's our main guy's name again? Is it Thomas? I can't. Is it Tim? No. Tim. Tim. Yeah, it is Tim. Tim Goodman. Um, I thought they were equals. Yeah. Yeah. So I was really clear to me that they were partners, but see, that's the other part of it. Only because he was essentially half human. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, and not only that, Mewtwo is like, so moved by it. The fact that they're considered equals. (laughs) So like, it's rare, right? You know, it's so clearly not harmonious. Yeah, and that's not even counting the uh, experimentation on oh. all of them. Yeah, don't even get me started. <laughs> don't even get me started. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, it was also really hard to get used to Ryan Reynolds' voice coming out of a Pikachu body. Yeah. Um, I don't remember it being that way the first time. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what it was about it, where it was like, it's not that it looked bad. It looked good. Mm-hmm. The whole movie looked great. The animation, the CGI, it all looked really believable. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what it was. It just was, there was like a disconnect for a little bit for me. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe it's maybe it's because I recognized it. What What about right. you? What do you think? I, I personally, I didn't have a, like, that didn't, I didn't really take issue with the, or I guess I, it didn't really uh, affect me. Taking issue is a bad word. Yeah. yeah. Say, it wasn't bad. No, it no. just was, it was jarring to me at first. Right. I'm not sure why to me it, 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 I didn't really think about it, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, I, but that's also, that could also be because I'm so unfamiliar with, you know, Pokemon in general. So, you know, I, mm-hmm. you could have told me, well, okay, that's not true. I was about to say you could have told me Ryan Reynolds' voice Pikachu forever and I would have believed it, but that's not true at all because I have, <laughs> I, I wasn't, I don't live under a rock. I have seen, you know, Pika, you know, the, <clears throat> excuse me, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, good impression. Oh, was that well, actually Pikachu you brought him? Yeah, that's, yeah. You got a soundboard? No, I, I got a soundboard here. I, I got little, uh, you want to hear my uh, Christopher Walken? Yeah. Pika. Sorry, I just, oh, I, I have. Hit, I hit the you're on the yeah, one button. I, yeah, I only have the one button, so I, I keep. Yeah. Um, oh. So. So you. So why did you offer for me to hear Christopher Walken? Well, I, 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 I thought you know I thought you'd say no. Um, if I'm being honest. Oh. Yeah. That's just a pretty specific specific ask. Right. Maybe that's why is because it was so. What do you uh, want from me? <clears throat> Wasn't that? Was that? That's a good. Uh, I don't. Th- I don't think that was the soundboard. No, that that I found the second button. I found the button I was trying to press earlier, and it was. Oh, okay. Spot on. Best. Uh, Christopher Walken impression, or no, it's not an impression. It's it's actually it was just, <laughs> just his voice. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. Freudian slip there. Uh-huh. I know. <laughs> now you want to have sex with Christopher Walken? Oh God, I want him to Christopher walk all over me. Yeah, and then murder you out at sea like that one lady. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. Um, 
Um, so yeah, we need to get Detective Pikachu in that case, right? That's uh, what we were talking about, Detective Pikachu, right? Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. Oh goodness, what else was I gonna say? I thought the guy who played Tim did fine. Mm-hmm. He is one of those people where he was good for what the movie was because the focus was clearly on Pikachu and Ryan Reynolds. Uh-huh. Um, so he's pretty easily forgettable for me. Yeah, he... But not as forgettable as the girl was. Oh, yeah. I've already forgotten. Um. So was... Who? Not who. Was he the was he in the one of the Jurassic World movies? Wasn't he in like one of those? Like the second one? I have n- I've only seen the first Jurassic World. Let me see real quick. He was in the second one. Fallen Kingdom. He was, okay. I thought so. I thought I remembered uh him being in that. And it was essentially the same thing there. Um which he's I just forgettable. He's just kind of yeah. I feel bad because like he's there's not. I don't think it's really anything wrong with him per se. I feel like he also hasn't had a lot to work with with either of those movies. Um, yeah, <clears throat> he doesn't do a bad job. No, he's just kind of there. Just kind of there. But at the same time, like, I mean, I'm not going to expect you know, you know, S tier level you know, acting, but you know, even like good actors, even with a little, like not that much to work with can, you know, bolster a a, a good, you know, get, get a good performance in, um, mm-hmm. and, and sort of elevate the material. But I feel like he was kind of just, he was performing fine, but just didn't really do much with, but with the very little he was given. Yeah, no, I can see that. Yeah. But, um, I mean, it was cool. It's definitely one of those things where it's like, it was cool, but I don't know if I've ever got to see it again. Right, right. It, once you've seen it once, you've kind of seen it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like a fun... It's no Sonic 2. Right. Yeah, no, not at all. It's not It's not like the... It's no Morbius. Uh, okay, those two are not the same. Sonic 2 and Morbius? And you know that. They're the exact same. They're both the best movies of 2022. Equally. I know what you're doing there. Don't even do that as a joke. <laughs> um, do you want to hear a fear of mine? Uh-oh. Sure. And it, it's 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 displayed in this movie. It's, I've had this fear since I was a child. I'm scared. And I, I don't think it's in like an unwarranted fear. Mm-hmm. But Mr. Mime is terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And he was even scarier in this movie. Yeah, I uh I was pretty creeped out. Um the the sort of uh, humanoid flesh coloring was especially unsettling. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yep. And the f- Oh, do I know exactly what the <laughs> fuck you're talking about? The the facial expressions like the dead eyes, I don't know. Like, yeah. The, no, trust me. No teeth. I'm well aware. Like, oh. Well aware. And he's like, oh, God. It's just like, it's like fleshy plastic. Right. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to vomit. He's dude. like, a, he. I'm going to throw up. If any Pokemon was 
a registered sex offender would be this dude, for sure. It'd be Mr. Mime? Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's just... Or, or like, gotta... parents think it's like the, the kid's imaginary friend, Mr. Mime. It's like, hey mom and dad, meet Mr. Mime. And they look, and like, oh my god, he's real. Oh, he's terrifying. I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> Sorry. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Also, I did notice this. I wrote it in my notes at the end. For a Pokemon movie, uh, they only attempt to catch a Pokemon one time, and they fail, and they never try again. Oh, my gosh. You're so right. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's uh, definitely not about got to catch them all. No, not even close. Um, that's interesting. Um, ha- I guess they're... Is this the only live-action Pokemon film? Yep. Do you want more? <laughs> I I just, I don't know. That's part of it, is it's like, I don't know how you'd make a... Because it's like an RPG. Right. With very little story. Right. It's just two hours of Pokemon fighting. And Yeah, so I don't know how training. you would... Yeah, I don't know. So, so I don't know how you would like do that. Yeah, it would it would become its own thing, essentially, with influences of Pokemon. Honestly, yeah. So no, I think this is perfect. And a lot of people were wanting a sequel to this movie. Oh, really? Um, but whenever Ryan Reynolds left it, the Pikachu's body, the movie, right? Because if they try to put him back, it's like stupid yeah exactly it's like putting a genie back in the bottle like exactly you already did it don't do it again yeah so it's either you leave him in there um at the end of the first movie or you just don't do a second one yeah yeah which i mean i i i don't have a preference myself but you know i i kind of agree with what you're saying like this is it's a fun it's a fun popcorn movie. It's a nice nice evening. Oh yeah. It's going to be a nice evening. Uh It's a uh it's definitely a shorter feature-length film. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's a quick quick watch. Um but it's not one that I'm like dying to watch again, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So All right. Well, I mean, that's all I have to say about it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, if you haven't seen Detective Pikachu, you know, do or don't watch it. Whatever you want to do. Uh, we're not the masters of you. You can you can do whatever you want. Um, anyway, I... Yeah, well, thanks for, you know, hanging with us. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter at DForestMedia. Uh, you can send us an email. Um, we are digitalforestmedia at gmail.com. Uh, send us more Nothing New Topics. Uh, we'd love to cover them. Do you? Uh, who recommended Detective Pikachu? I am blank. I don't remember, but whoever is out there who did it, we're sorry. Let us know, and we will give you credit on Twitter. Um, but if you love Pokemon and you want to see us do more, talk more about it, you can watch a stream Permadeath Pokemon Fire Red. So we'll be doing that next Thursday. 
from 7 to 9 p.m. Um, yeah. We will be hopefully not losing as many members as we did last time. Oh, my God. It was a massacre. It was... Yeah. It was a massacre. Come Man came for us. Um, yes, he did. Pun intended. Yes, he did. So, yeah, come hang uh, next Thursday. Well, we'll see you then. See you then. <laughs>